Was there an Adam? Was there an Eve? Or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed. When hey, everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman. Welcome you to our first uh, Greek session of 2022, number 78. We are, are glad to be back. We will meet next week, uh, even though it's Martin Luther King Day, or especially because it's Martin Luther King Day. And on January 23rd, a Sunday, uh, we will have a national launch of our Save Democracy 20, Save American Democracy 2022 campaign, whose principal focus will be to get people into the election boards to counteract the fascist coup being staged by Steve Bannon. We are uh, uh, posting a link to Steve Bannon's um, most recent attack and, and to a New York Times article from uh, uh, an interview from Ezra Klein uh, about uh, uh, what's being done to counteract the assault on our election boards. As we know, there, are, there has been a wave of, um, of death threats, threats of violence, and possibly even some actual violence uh, against people who are trying to be uh, active in their election boards and in Secretary of State races. Um, uh, Steve Bannon has zeroed in on taking over uh, the election apparatus. I'm very clear about it. Uh, I have a piece at Reader Supported News uh, that has his quote directly. The link uh, is available. And if you can throw it back in there, uh, Steve or Mike, that would be great. Uh, but uh, th they are not messing around here. This is a fascist coup aimed at taking over the election apparatus from the bottom, which is the election boards, to the top, which is the Secretary of State offices. And um, this is state by state. It could not be more serious. And on January 23rd, we will be launching our national campaign to get as many people as possible to come out to your local election boards and, and, and vo volunteer or run for the office uh, so, so that you, we can face down uh, these fascists who are going to try and take over the, uh, uh, the whole apparatus of the elections. And if they do, uh, that is game over. We've got some great, great people to talk about. We're joined by Ray McClendon. Uh, political director of the National uh, the NAACP in, in Atlanta. Um, we have Danny Sheehan with us from California, Tatanka Bricka, um, uh, Emily Levy, who's one of our great um, uh, trainers at Scrutineers, and many other really great uh, people. Uh, Mark Stansbury, I see, is here from Ohio. Uh, right now we have 81 people with us, Anna Georgie um, in Western Mass. So we have the great crew. What I'm going to do is uh, turn it over in a minute uh, to Tatanka Bricka, who's going to uh, present with Danny Sheehan. We're going to give you guys the hour uh, to really discuss what's been happening, what you've been doing in California. Um, and we will also deal a little bit with the solar situation there, which is quite serious. And Ron Leonard uh, will explain that very quickly and make the links with Danny and Tatanka. So uh, we have action packed in the second hour at uh, 3 o'clock Pacific, three, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern. We're going to go to John Brakey and Ray Lutz to give us a very, very powerful and important update on uh, what's happened in, in Arizona. There has been a, a real serious uh, uh, public accounting, actually, uh, with the top people there. And um, I see that John Brakey has shaved his head in honor of that. So uh, we're, going to, we're going to go at three uh, and get, that, get into great detail on that. Um, but we have a great crew with us. We did have a Magnificent meeting yesterday. Uh, if anybody wants to get the uh, link, uh, maybe um, 
uh, Mike, you can put it in the chat. Uh, we had a session with Dr. Helen Caldicott, <clears throat> who was in Australia, has been one of the great inspirations of the movement to stop nuclear power, both power and weapons, and she was quite inspiring. Um, and um, uh, so, uh, Mike, I assume there is a, a record of that that you could put up, hopefully in the chat. Um, um, so that's the basis that the first hour, and Ruth Strauss has rightly raised the issue of the national legislation and where it's at, the voter rights legislation uh, that's being dealt with the Congress. But we want to start uh, with, our, in a, with our election protection discussion uh, of today. And again, we're going to have a national, let, let me make it clear, we're going to meet again next week uh, on, on uh, the King holiday. And the week after that, we will meet on Sunday, that's January 23rd, for a major national launch of our campaign to save the election apparatus, save American democracy 2022, <clears throat> with a very powerful focus. We'll be joined by Andrea Miller, Ray McClendon, Jennifer Roberts, um, uh, Mimi Kennedy, uh, 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 Tatanka, uh, Danny, uh, uh, Sarah Nelson, the whole crew, to really, really focus on saving uh, uh, the apparatus precinct by precinct. Our goal is to have <clears throat> election protection pro-democracy activists in every precinct in this country, even though you'll be facing death threats, we have got to do this. And at the same time, we want democracy centers in every county, about 3,500 counties in the United States. We want at least one democracy center in every county uh, going into the 22 election. Uh, we do have the time to do it. We have the, uh, the, the uh, intellectual and, and activist resources to do it. And if we don't, um, we're all going to, you know, see you in Dachau. So um, let's take a real quick, Myla, you have a hand, uh, Steve Kaiser, and then we'll go straight to Tatanka to take us into California with Danny. And um, uh, um, I understand we're going to be uh, joined with some other folks as well. Myla, did you have a hand? What did you want to say, uh, please? Yes. Oh, thanks, Harvey. I, I just, um, one thing I just found, because it, it took a while before it was posted, but I just found the link to the to the uh, YouTube recording of the session yesterday, the PDA town hall, during which uh, Dr. Helen Caldicott joined us um, at the beginning of the second hour. So I'm about to post that link in the chat. And uh, also, I, I was wondering if uh, during the presentation, some of our experts can address the fact that uh, Eric, uh, Merrick uh, Garland uh, said that he would not allow all of the um, the shenanigans that are going on in terms of uh, rolling back voting rights at the, at the state level. And um, I know that we've got we can't sit back and wait for the DOJ to do something. But I'm just wondering if anyone is aware of what they're doing and how much confidence we can have in, in the work that DOJ is doing on voting rights. Thank you. OK, well, remember, we're dealing with the Democratic Party here. So, we, we, we uh, you know, as uh, as Bertolt Brecht said, he, he, he who laughs has not heard the bad news. Um, OK, um, uh, there was one other hand. Uh, um, uh, if you wanted to get in now, let me see. I'm, I'm, Steve, I'm just... me, uh, Harvey, Steve, Kajas. Steve Kajas. Yes, real quick, Steve. Yeah, you mentioned death threats, and I was wondering if you could flush out the topic of death threats for us. You know, well, you I've been trying to get, we, we have one person we know is being threatened, and, um, um, and she has kind of headed, headed to the hills with her family. But we are getting reports all over the country 
of death threats, not only at the election boards, but also at school boards. In fact, the school board stuff has been very well documented. There have been quite a number of articles about uh, people on school boards getting death threats and, uh, and leaving the school boards. In fact, I heard a uh, report on it on NPR about two weeks ago. Um, I can't remember what, where it was. There was a big fight over something, and um, this key member of the school board got repeated death threats and, and, quit, and talked about it on NPR and then quit the school board. So this is what we're expecting at the election boards as well. We know of one case in North Carolina, um, and, um, you know, um, there's no surprise here. <laughs> I mean, we know who we're dealing with. Uh, so, um, so, Steve, thank you for that. Let's move ahead now. Uh, Tutanka and uh, Danny, uh, you have done incredible work in, uh, in California, uh, right at the grassroots uh, involving uh, the, the districting and also the control of the election boards. So, Tatanka, uh, can you please uh, take it away? Yes. Thank you very much, Sluggo. Thank you, everybody, for being on this call. I just want to say that grassroots direct action, community organizing, both with the climate crisis and with election protection are intimately intertwined and they must be as we go forward. I'm at Danny Sheehan is the co-founder with his wife, Sarah Nelson of the Romero Institute. He's a constitutional attorney. I'm not gonna go into his many achievements, but for our entire lifetime, he, he's never really lost a case and he's uh, one of the best we have on the planet. Um, earlier, the Christic Institute with the Iran-Contra case, the Dan Ellsberg, New York Times case, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Presently, the Romero Institute um, has the Lakota People's Law Project of which uh, we work with the Lakota people and Danny is uh, counsel for that, was for the Standing Rock crisis and uh, organizing, it, uh, organizing efforts and also with green power, green energy, which right now is focusing on a let's green California legislation. Danny, take it away. This is election protection. You have so much to say. I don't know how you're going to organize it, but, but take it from the top. Great. Thanks, Tatanka. Well, the, the bottom line is, is that one, one of the things that, that we've discovered is that, uh, of course, that one of the major problems that exists in the entire country is that even the left unmolested, you know, uh, only between 50 and 55 percent of the people even vote. Uh, and, and so that that plays right into the hands of these fascists that that figure that all the, the kind of people that the poorer people, the people that are that are uh, my racial minorities and in, in, uh, in, in poverty areas, et cetera, that a lot of them don't vote at all. Uh, and uh, and so the, the effort to try to reach the people and get the people to undertake to vote is extraordinarily important. Uh, and the same thing is true of young people, as we know. I mean, uh, people people under the age of, uh, of 25, you know, between 18 and 25, there's a, a terrible uh, drop off in how many people are eligible to vote and that really do vote. So one of the things that we're doing here is we are remobilizing our phone bank up at uh, Standing Rock that uh, that we had functioning back during the election in in 20 in 2020 uh, that we were we had hired 40 uh, Lakota elders and young Lakota activists to 
to utilize the the goodwill that had been generated because of the pipeline uh, confrontation over the Dakota Access Pipeline up there uh, to call into all of the major swing states to start immediately making sure that everybody who was in the indigenous communities uh, were registered to vote. Uh, and also try to deal with a lot of the young people that have been supportive of the uh, of the Dakota Access Pipeline confrontation to reach out to them and get them to make sure that they and all of their friends are registered to vote in those in those key swing states. Uh, so that we're starting, we're getting ready to crank that up now, right at the beginning of 2022, because we know how how important uh, the if it's if it's conceivably possible to protect. The, even the five-person uh, majority that the Democrats have in the in the House of Representatives, because we know perfectly well that if the Republicans seize control of the House of Representatives, that the very first thing they're going to do, of course, is cancel the January 6th investigation. Uh, they're going to withdraw all of the subpoenas. They'll withdraw from all the litigation uh, this, that will still be underway, because one of the tactics of the fascist right wing in, in, is to try to uh, tie up all of those subpoenas and everything in the courts. Uh, and they believe that now they have control of the courts because they have that six-person majority in the, in the Supreme Court. The, the, the reference that was made earlier to the need to consider adding additional justices to the Supreme Court uh, because we're experiencing over and over and over again uh, the, the, the impact of these over 200 uh, federal judges that have been appointed uh, during the Trump administration. Uh, you know, we're running into it in Texas with the, the uh, uh, anti-abortion statutes, the uh, striking down of Obamacare. The, and the most recent one is they've declared unconstitutional the Indian Child Welfare Act. Uh, the Judge O'Connor, who's their go-to district court judge down there, has entered an order saying that the Indian Child Welfare Act, which was the only piece of legislation that we extracted out of the United States Congress following the Wounded Knee occupations back in 1973, that mandated that if, in fact, a Native American child is taken from her or his parents, uh, that they have to the state uh, the state department of social services have to engage in active measures to make sure that the child is placed with their with the child's relatives or with other native american people to keep them from uh, the genociding the entire native culture uh, here in this in this country and now now that they they have struck down the indian child welfare act arguing that it is a racial discrimination against white people who want to adopt indian children uh, and, you know, and it's gone up to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and it turns out that Trump has appointed five new federal judges to the, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. So it's an eight to eight standoff at the Court of Appeals there. So they kept coming to kind of draws on a lot of these votes. And if the Court of Appeals can't overrule the lower court, then the lower court uh, stands. And we have won some of some of those things at the on bank uh, of the fifth circuit but the bad guys have appealed now to the united states supreme court so that this challenge that we have of not any longer being able to rely upon the judiciary as some sort of uh you know uh, uh avant-garde uh, uh method of trying to deal with public policy protection you know that the, they've eliminated the federal courts uh, basically, now from the Christic Institute, the Romero Institute, down over all these years, that we have waged war in. The oh, 
Danny or these fascists uh, and to make actual headway. But what, what we're doing here in the state, what we're doing here in the state of California now is we know that the people that when you're talking to people in the abstract about getting them to vote, the reason that the black community is so successful in, for example, in Georgia and trying to get people registered to vote, they know how important it is in order to protect the things that they are essentially having to get done. And a, a lot of the other people don't think about that unless you talk to them about what is it specifically that you want to vote about this time. A lot of them don't think it's that important to even vote. And so what we're doing in California, the tactic that is underway here is realizing that global climate change is such a huge issue uh, in the minds of everyone, especially here in California, where the place is burning down around their ears every year. Uh, but, you know, massive tornadoes all through the Midwest, the massive, massive, uh, you know, tidal sweeps that go into the, the Gulf of Mexico and even up in nor northern New York. You know, the, what we're doing is we're saying, look at global climate change is upon us and it's absolutely essential that we take the steps necessary as Greta Thornburg has said if you leave it up to the legislators all they're really going to try to do is do the the least uh, disruptive thing they're going to be going just for tiny low-hanging fruit uh, and they're only going to be doing what they think is immediately politically feasible given who the elected representatives are now uh, whereas we have to mobilize now, we have to mobilize the people in order to get done what we know has to get done in the area of global climate change. So what we've done is we've wedded these two issues together. The issue of fighting on behalf of global climate change, just like wedding to this, the issue of black rights in the country. The, these two major constituencies are the main constituencies that realize how essential it is to be able to vote because we're going to have to replace a lot of the presently elected representatives you know, in the primary races, et cetera. So people have to get registered to vote. We have to fight back against all of the efforts that are being undertaken by Steve Bannon and his crowd to try to cut away at the, the rights of people to vote. So here in California, what we've done, we've drafted out of the Romero Institute a major 350-page, extremely forward-leaning uh, bill on, on stopping global climate change and rolling back uh, the, the emissions. And what we've done now is we're engaged now uh, into, into the uh, democratic power structures here in the state of California, both in the state Senate and the state legislature to lean forward into these, into these bills. And we're using them as a basis for going into the major uh, state Senate districts here throughout the state of California to engage in a major public education, grassroots organizing, uh, voter registration drive, uh, and putting people into, into the discussion now, now that 2022 is here and they know that there's an election coming up. As we all know, the problem is in these non-presidential election years, you know, you only get you know, like two thirds as many people voting as vote in the presidential election years. So we've got to mobilize people to be interested in voting and therefore interested in protecting their right to vote. So we, we have a major campaign going on now. <clears throat> we have just had a redistricting uh, here that's been finalized on December 21st. Danny, and before you go on, I just want to recognize that Lori Pisanti is on the call now. And so she can ah, report right. on that in the Valley somewhere along the line of talking. <clears throat> I want to point out, we also have on the call, Ray McClendon. We have over, uh, we have 106 people on the call right now. Um, and um, uh, uh, we have someone, Ray McClendon from the uh, NAACP in Atlanta, who very successfully, Danny and Tatanka, and I know you, you guys have heard from Ray, about the Georgia miracle now, the Georgia sure. way, 
And Absolutely. Uh, they, they were able in Georgia to bring out a tremendously large percentage of the people to a runoff election yes. in the November election. Uh, uh, Ray, do you want to chime in on what Danny's been saying here and make this link? Ray, Ray, like Danny, will also be on our January, featured on our January 23rd launch. Uh, Ray, yeah. go ahead. Ray, yeah, have, happy New Year, everybody. And, and uh, thanks, Harvey. Uh, many of the things that Danny is discussing right now, uh, we are, in fact, putting it in, in play uh, in Georgia and have successfully uh, been utilizing these tactics over the last uh, three or four years. Uh, what, what Tatanka earlier brought up is the, the cornerstone to what we have to remember, and that is that all politics is local and that we must um, understand that the Civil War or the second coming of the Civil War has already started. And it started not so much on what we continue to look at on January 6th, but as you all have aptly pointed out, it's happening with local election boards and school boards all around the country. Now I can talk specifically about Georgia. Georgia has 159 counties. SB 202 last year uh, opened the door for, uh, which was based on the big lie, uh, opened the door to begin taking over these boards. They have been systemically uh, moving in different counties to remove nonpartisan um, election officials and replace them with highly partisan, a conspiracy theory-based um, conservative uh, backers of QAnon and other theories. That's, that is happening, and it's, it's happened in my hometown of Griffin, Georgia, Spalding County, which is about 40 miles from Atlanta. Uh, it's, it's happening in, in a, a small town like, like, like uh, Griffin, which is a population of uh, 40 or 50,000. And it's happening with Fulton County, the largest county in uh, Georgia, where the, there's a quote unquote performance review going on with Fulton County. So the game plan is already afoot and they're making no bones about the fact that they want to allow uh, for partisanship to enter into overturning elections which don't conform to um, their desired result. So let me give it to you in graphic terms. You had former president called the Secretary of State and asked him to find 11,780 votes, which happened to be one more vote than, than, um, than Biden would have won by, 11,799. There are 159 counties, as I said, in Georgia. Instead of having to find 12,000 votes, all you have to do is go to each county and ask them to, to find or declare invalid from the other side 100 votes. So that's a much easier task to take on if you just have to eliminate approximately 100 votes or 90 votes or 80 votes or whatever the case may be 
in different counties as opposed to 12,000. This will be very easy to do by 2024. So how do we combat that? We can have all of the calls we want to. We can have the greatest strategy. We can come up with great PowerPoint presentations and analysis. What we must do is start funding the battles going county by county, election board to election board in each state that's a battleground state if we're going to thwart this. Okay. You know it's coming. He tried to do it here in Georgia in 2020. We saw what he tried to do in Wayne County in Michigan, in, in, in the major counties in, in Pennsylvania. It's going to happen. Uh, and we will be fools to sit on the sidelines and expect for us to be able to, to, to change this on a national level alone. I, don't get me wrong, I'm for uh, the Freedom to Vote Act. I'm for the John Lewis uh, Civil Rights Act. We, those are things that need to happen, but you're not going to be able to win this war, and it's about to be war, if you solely expect for one or two things to happen in Washington, and it's going to solve all our problems. We must start now to finance the militia in the states count to go and fight this fight county by county. Excellent. You said that over well, 3,000 counties, Harvey, we need to at least be in play in the number of counties that there are in all of the battleground states. And the only way that's going to happen is if groups like this start banding together and investing in things like democracy centers from, from um, the Center for Common Ground, uh, like democracy squads that we have here with one of our key collaboration partners called the People's Agenda. You must put, we must start investing in those now in order to be ready for the battle in, in uh, the primary season in June, May and June, and then in November. Excellent. Ray, it couldn't have been stated better. Uh, we, we, that's our, the focus on the 23rd and, and, of course, right now. Danny, do you want to talk? Do you want to respond? I know Danny will respond. And Lori, in the Central Valley, this is the agricultural area that out of Bakersfield, which is called the Selma of California. That whole valley has been under control of the agriculture, very conservative interests. And Laurie was active in the census and more importantly, active in redistricting. And Laurie, very briefly, could you just share what you've done in California and how it's shifted it in our favor? Yes. Um, and I put a link in the chat as well for anybody interested in looking up their new districts in the state of California at assembly, state, Senate and congressional levels. I led the redistricting campaign. I led, I lead our election protection work for the Dolores Huerta Foundation here in the Central Valley of California. Just briefly, the congressional districts here on the Valley floor, there are four of them. Currently, Mr. David Valadeo, who voted, one of, was one of the few Republicans who voted uh, to impeach Mr. Trump, um, but is certainly not aligned with some of the election protection work that 
we would hope to see him do. Mr. McCarthy happens to be my representative. Mr. Nunez, of course, has resigned. Um, and then Mr. Costa is up in the north. Out of all four of those districts, our redistricting work has led to the creation of three Latino majority eligible voter voting rights act districts at the congressional level, such that Mr. McCarthy really will be the only um, the only one left out of the four. So uh, really, we're going to see a major shift, and we're very protective of that shift. So I'm really, really happy to see all of the like-minded folks here today, um, because as we look ahead towards election protection here and in other places like the Central Valley of California, we did absolutely see face-to-face -face evidence of some of the more organized, um, politically violent groups. For example, we did see Proud Boys at redistricting hearings in local Central Valley counties. I'm currently looking at you know, getting more information about the, the, the true nature of the threat of political violence surrounding our elections this year. Um, so if anybody would like to connect with me offline, I will put my contact information in the chat. And um, we're also providing a report to our Secretary of State's office because of the experiences that we have had with some I would characterize it as lower level voter suppression work here in the Central Valley and certainly Election Integrity Project of California. Some of you may be familiar with that group. They have been operating in Kings, Kern, Tulare and Fresno counties here in the Central Valley for the last 10 plus years. Um, and it's it's not a good good thing. So um, I'll connect with anybody interested in, in working with me on any of that. Thank you, Laurie. And before I turn it back to Danny, I just want to say what what. Andrea is founding and starting going throughout the country as democracy centers and all the great work, Ray, you have done with your relational organizing and now organizing the whole Southern Crescent and taking on 15, 10 states and 15 elections coming up in California, in the Latino area, they call it vecinos unidos. They formed neighbor neighbors uh, as as who get together united to uh, work on the local issues that they're very interested in. And then they've ma managed to get successfully people who have never been involved in politics before into school boards, into the water district, into running for political office. That's the Dolores Huerta Foundation. Okay, back to you, Danny. Danny, you got to unmute. You got to unmute, bro. Yep. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Just one more note in closing that that we've also uh, are involved, we're the plaintiff in a major lawsuit uh, up in the Dakotas, uh, challenging the Board of Elections there because every, the, the, the driver's uh, registration, motor vehicle registration office up there is mandated uh, to, to notify people who come in to get their driver's license about their right to register to vote. Uh, and that they've never been notifying any of the Native American people about their, their right to get registered to vote. And they're supposed to be able to register right there. And they have not been doing it. So that we're the plaintiffs in a major federal lawsuit up there in the Dakotas now uh, to get a, a writ of mandamus issued uh, from the federal courts to uh, order the Department of Motor Vehicles up there to register Native American people when they come in to get a, a driver's license. So it's that, that, that kind of nuts and bolts stuff that's going on at, on the ground is absolutely essential for all of us to be in, engaged in here. And, but what I, I, again, I'm emphasizing that there, 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 
it helps very much to have a specific context in which you're trying to get people to join these fights, to push back against these fascists that are trying to limit the right to vote. Because the, the, the serious problem is that a lot of the people in the country don't yet have a full-throated uh, desire to have to be able to vote all the time. So we've got we've got to have a larger context in which this is all taking place for them to because you know, they say, oh well, I don't, I'm not necessarily convinced that the fascists are trying to take over, you know. But but what we've got to do is find out what it is. Is as uh, Ray was pointing out, all politics are local, and you need to know what the people in that that district really are the most interested in. And you need to get them mobilized around the things that they're interested in so that they're going to be interested in voting and going to be very interested in people who are trying to stop them from voting. So I'm, I'm just suggesting that as part of our tactic, we we going in on the grassroots in every one of these electoral districts and figure out what the key issues are that people want to work on, knowing that the people, the people want to do the things that are right. They want to do the things that are good for themselves and their family. And these right-wing people are stopping that. And we've got to get them convinced about that. If you're going to get the, when you do it, you do a talk to people in an audience, you've got to get them jumping out of their seats and going on and tearing the doorknobs off the place you know, to get out of there, to get out into the field, to start taking these people on. Because the abstract concept, oh, you've got to get people to you know stop you from restricting your right to vote, needs to have some what, why, what for, what is it you're worried about? What is it you want to get done? They've got to know that we are there championing the people's agenda. They need to know what that agenda is and they need to get out to vote uh, and to, to push back against these people and, and get the people put into those uh, board, of, board of elections that are going to protect their right to vote. And Danny, before we turn it back and, and open it to questions, uh, there's a whole lot of things we don't have time to talk about, but we have isolated those people for us for for the green legislation in California. Those are going to be against us. We have a research team that's working on all the swing votes in the middle, and we're going to be organizing out of the community colleges. We're also directly in touch with unions throughout the state so that we're bringing unions and environmentalists together because the unions have been the obstacle to getting environmental votes passed and we're reconciling that difference because this is a very pro-labor vote. It's a, a very pro-labor green legislation that seeks to, to uh, say, okay, you're working in nuclear, you're working in fracking. We understand you've got a, a salary, you've got seniority, you've got this, you've got that. You can continue that. You just can't do it in the dirty industries. And 40% of all the jobs will be in the, the areas most heavily impacted. That's the environmental justice component. So there's a, a big plan going on. Also, some of you heard Danny when he talked about a larger strategy. And if you can keep this real quick, Danny, just tell them about the, the RICO action as a focus in California that's... Sure, just a, just a quickie. That we're, we're drafting a 200-page uh, a federal criminal complaint uh, under the Federal Criminal Racketeering Act, charging the senior executive officials and management officials of the five major oil corporations here in the state of California with an ongoing criminal conspiracy to commit fraud by lying to the people and the regulators about the dangerous uh, impacts of their products. Uh, you know, based upon the, the tobacco company uh, lawsuits and the, the car 
company things with the with the Pinto, etc. What we're doing is saying that these people have known since at least the, the early 1970s that their products were destroying the climate uh, and that, that we're trying to we have to focus the, the, the blaming these people for the criminal conspiracy that they're engaged in so that we have both the carrot of offering this major package of legislation and at the same time the stick of going after these people and, and characterizing them as the criminals that they are. So that this this kind of reaching down into the districts to get get people's juices going about what it is that's going on here, that we have to be able to figure out in each of these electoral districts what it is the people are interested in affirmatively, in addition to their being worried about losing their right to vote. We've got to get them re-stimulated to know how important their vote is. This is, this is an attack on democracy itself. And so what we've got to do is have the people know what it is that they want to exercise their right to vote to achieve. That's that's a key thing that we want. That a lot of the people in the black and the, the, uh, the other minority communities know what it is that they're trying to protect, the, the, to stop the discrimination against them. But we have to get everybody mobilized to know that there's a specific thing that they want to achieve in their particular district, and they need to st- protect their right to vote in order to achieve it. Okay, that's, that's Danny. Wanna, in terms of the bigger picture, I want to, I've said this before, but as, as a historian, I have a history book coming out, uh, um, People's Power of U.S. History, and I looked at the, the, what we're in here is a massive demographic shift. And if you look at the vote in the 2020 election, people under 30 in this country voted 65% against Trump. And, and it, goes, it goes through the only, pe- the only age categories that voted in favor of Trump were people over 50. So we have a massive demographic shift going on in this country. The millennials and the Zoomers are the, uh, you know, the people under 30 are the, the most uh, progressive gen- two generations in the history of this country but they're not coming out to vote. If we can get to the young people in this country and get them registered and get them active, we will save the country. And the, 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 people, the people behind Bannon are the white, uh, straight, uh, wealthy. You know, the, the group that stormed the uh, Capitol on, Jan- on January 6th was actually a very upscale group of people. About half of them were business owners or, or major professionals. This was not a working class um, operation on January 6th. And Steve Bannon is not a working class guy. Uh, but, and they're not young people. The evangelical movement in this country dropped by half in the last decade. Uh, the, and and um, the, now the people who call themselves nuns, N-O-N-E-S, uh, are, are more than twice as much large a group as the evangelicals. So we're having a major shift here, which is why the Bannonites are so desperate to grab hold of the electoral apparatus. Donald Trump said it best. He said, if you have elections basically that are run fairly, no Republican will ever get elected again. So it is our task to get to the young people and to and to get them registered and to get them active, because the, the, the good news about the fascist, attempted fascist coup in this country is that the American public, and especially the people who are young, are not 
in favor of it. <laughs> and so Danny and, and Ray and Tatanka and Lori, if, if we can get the, the grass, the nuts and bolts together to organize this uh, at, the, at the precinct level from the bottom up, then we can save the country. And that's the only way you can do it. That's the biggest picture as far as I see it. Tatanka? Yeah, well, we've got, I think, uh, maybe nine minutes left if there's some questions for, for Danny or Ray or Lori. Uh, yes. Um, um, uh, who hasn't spoken? Uh, Glenn Ryhing, uh, you haven't spoken yet. Glenn? Uh, yeah. Um, actually, Steve Kaiser had his hand up first. Yeah, I know, but he's spoken already, so go oh. ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I just want to say that I agree with you guys that all politics are local, but we also need to develop a strategy to engage with independent voters. Um, and you do this by showing that democratic policies work. I'm working locally on a, developing an episode on how small businesses and nonprofits received grants from the CARES Act in 2020. And by showing these grants and how they kept these businesses afloat during these hard economic times, it would be a good point to show people that democratic policies work. Yeah, and, small d. Yes. And uh, um, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that there was a very significant drop in childhood poverty uh, during the COVID when the, when the money came out from the feds. Ten minutes. We, I did a, deal. go ahead. So uh, you're a hundred percent right. And Danny has laid that out as of Ray. We need to show people at the grassroots exactly how they can benefit from um, uh, of these policies. Lynn, you have your hand up. Lynn Feinerman, it's 114 people on the call. Uh, then I'll get to Steve and Jeffrey. Go ahead, Lynn. Thank you. Um, I would like to ask, since uh, Harvey has uh, brought up a point of focusing on the youth, focusing on uh, millennials and Zoomers, and um, there have been suggestions. Uh, I think Harvey actually also made the suggestion that we need to begin investing in, in uh, something in, and focusing on certain things. And I'm wondering if, you know, I'm thinking that there are over 100 people here. If each person gave $50 uh, to a fund, we would be over $5,000. Um, what would we want to focus it on? And there are people who can afford to give more. Um, what would we want to focus it on? Would we want to focus it on, you know, a nationwide youth campaign to get out the vote? Would we want to focus it on only the so-called swing states? Um, I'd like to see something come out of this discussion that is like nuts and bolts. And I know there are a lot of nuts and bolts thing happen, ha happening already. And I laud Lori and, and all who are on the ground doing the hard work. Uh, thank you so much, Lori. Lago um, probably should talk about the 23rd. That's good, Lynn. Yes, we have a we do have a 501c3, which is uh, from which we make grants. Um, it's the Columbus Institute for Contemporary Journalism. Steve, if you could put that contact in the um, um, uh, chat, that would be great. Um, and we, I, right now, the focus is getting people to go into the election boards. Getting out the vote is a big deal. But the, if if they're going to show up at the election board, and there's a Nazi standing there with a gun behind the table telling them they can't vote. We're not going to get very far. So we need to we need people in the election boards now. And we need to set up these democracy centers in each county. 
That that's cuts and bolts bottom line right now. Well, that's what Ray, that's what Ray was saying. Ray Ray was saying that here here are the the organizations uh, that, for example, in Georgia, uh, in other key swing states that that are working on the ground in those precincts to get people to run uh, to get hold those seats. Uh, I think I think that people ought to you know consider you know directing some funds toward Ray and the groups that uh, he was recommending. There, because we know how vital Georgia is going to be. For example, the limited amount of money that we might be able to put together here with just this group uh, ought to go there in a very targeted way. I would think. Well, I am asking people. <laughs> uh, I'm making some serious enemies here, but I'm asking people to not give money to the Democratic Party, which, wait, oh. as we saw in Virginia, wastes it on on ads and runs terrible candidates and yes. loses winnable elections. That the money needs to go to the Andrea Millers and the Ray McClendons and the Danny Sheehan's of the world and the Lorries who who will put it get people you know a, a dollar at the grassroots roots is worth a hundred dollars uh, in TV ads so we need to get funded to get people into these election boards uh, and to protect them um, and to stand up to the death threats which is no small deal um, as we all know Tatanka do you want to add that or should I call it some well I I think we have a progressive action coalition a national predict. Uh, we lost it, Tataki. Tataki, you got. We have a national progressive action coalition that came out of the the events in the summer in Washington D.C., and um, we have a steering committee of that coming up in uh, about a week and a half. And we have uh, the work that the Lourdes Huerta Foundation is doing, which is practically all young people. The full time organ. How many do you have on staff now? Over fifty. Lori? We're at we're at about 50 and it'll probably get um, higher than that uh, with our COVID outreach work. And it's mainly young Latino women. Um, so it's a, it's an amazing youth movement. I mean, when Dolores goes down the, around the world, wherever she speaks, she's surrounded by families and young people. <laughs> and so they're really modeling that. And I know Ray has a lot of young people involved with his his work up in Atlanta um, and they work out of um, Standing Rock, which is now going to be continuing those phone banks with getting indigenous involved in every key state it was about half elders and about half young, very young activists. So Danny, at every stage, we need to bring more people on this call that are young, too. Yes. Danny, did you want to add to that or should I call on the next? Day? No, let's go. Go get, get the other folks. before okay. we. Uh, William, I'm calling on people we haven't seen before. William Fleming. William Fleming, I don't think you've been on before. Um, uh, do you want to say something here real quick? I haven't been on for a while. I mostly listen to what people want, are thinking. As far as uh, getting people out to vote, uh, Drew Weston has a book called uh, The Political Brain, which is worth reading. Um, it alludes to the fact that the Republicans use fear, uncertainty, and doubt in order to get people out to vote. I went to a Libertarian Party meeting this weekend, and I could hear the undertones of the fear, and the, uh, the, they look at the Democrats and progressives as the enemy, uh, called all the typical terms, liberals, progressives, knee-jerk sorts of reactions, and that regardless of the issues, the messaging has to be to, a way to counter that fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's used to try to turn people against progressive issues. Right. Well, um, uh, Steve Bannon, is, the line now is that 
the uh, Democrats, uh, capital D Democrats, are bringing in millions of immigrants and getting them to vote whether they're citizens or not. Now, you know, clearly the, the dog whistle there is that uh, non-white people um, should not be allowed to vote. That's what they're basically worried about. And that's what Trump was worried about. I do have a new name for uh, uh, Steve Bannon, which I think we should use. Uh, 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 my kids are big Harry Potter fans. So uh, I am referring to Steve Bannon as Voldemort. Uh, I don't know how many of that will register with you, but it should stick. Um, uh, Susan Pinchon, and then Mary, and, and then Jeffrey. And then we're almost to the top of the hour. We are at the top of the hour. Uh, uh, John, if you can stick with us for uh, maybe 10 more minutes, we'll get through this. Uh, Susan, then Mary, then Jeff. Hi, Harvey. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to quickly mention the New York Times had has a, a podcast called The Daily, and they had school a podcast that you can all look up called School Board Fights One and School Board Fights Two, something like that. But what was fascinating was in the second one, they had a Republican organizer who talked about the fact that it's social issues that motivate people. And then the way to turn those social issues into, po into political issues. So he has now built a political base across the state of Pennsylvania based on parents who think that school boards are trying to run their lives. Based on a social issue, he's mobilized these people and turned them into political activists, people who have never been involved in politics. So if there's a way to use that formula, and it's fascinating to listen to him because he sort of lays it out how to do it. If we could do that with young people, young people who are interested in climate, do they realize that they have to have fair elections and, and, and get out and vote in order to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish? I mean, that's just one example, but we need to be using social issues, which is, I think, what you've all been saying anyway, to, um, to bring out the political activists and people. Thank yeah. you. Uh, the, the climate issue does seem to motivate uh, uh, young people and the Green New Deal is very clear. And, um, uh, but uh, you know, we, you're right, we gotta find the formula. We gotta get these kids out there and, uh, and into the election boards. Um, and uh, what's going on in the school boards is a, is a nightmare. I mean, uh, there are death threats everywhere. They're pulling uh, uh, books off the shelves, for God's sakes. Texas is passing a law that says that any parent can object to any book in the school library and get it pulled. I, I mean, you know, come on. And, and a ban abortion at the same time. One of, one of our um, <clears throat> part, <clears throat> partners in the Progressive Action Coalition is Sunrise. They're very active. They know what they want. They had the five young people sitting on the, the White House steps. So we need, we need groups like that. Absolutely. Um, uh, Mary and then Steve Rosenfeld uh, and then Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to bring up the fact that um, another thing we need to do is to show those people that feel that they really don't have a right, even though they have a right to vote, they don't have a right to prosper from that vote. And that has to do with a lot of people that are low income or social security disability, because you're not allowed to own assets. You're not allowed to accumulate anything. So the vote doesn't affect you. All you have to do is sit in your house, be quiet, collect your check, and don't step out of line or they'll take all your benefits away. So a lot of people need to be uh, educated that even though 
their vote doesn't affect them at the moment that right. it can affect them over the lifetime. And that's, that's what we got to get people to understand. Absolutely. Very well said. The long-term effect of voting, not the short-term. Right. But we, we, also need, we also need an administration that can actually deliver on some promises. Thank you for that, Mary. Steve Rosenfeld and Jeffrey. Yeah, hi. Um, hey, all I, all I would say to add to this is um, you've got people like Ray McClendon and Andrea Miller and Tatanka and others on this call, and, you know, Dolores Huerta organization that have real track records in reach and working with constituencies and, and they all need funds as opposed to like creating something that's brand new. And so, you know, just, and it's, it's kind of amazing because there are people on these calls who are very humble, but the work that they've done is incredible. And so don't overlook that. Yes. I'm hearing a lot of people here say, oh, we got to create this. we got to create that. I don't know if people realize what Andrea Miller and Ray McClendon created in Georgia. I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. What other campaign pulled together 40,000 volunteers around the country to reach people who were overlooked voters outside of Atlanta? I mean, come right. on, talk. So and and, and, and they, did that, they did that with technology and they did that, you know, and, and they and they want to take that. And they were successful in areas of Virginia that the Democratic Party floundered in, but they couldn't scale it up enough to make a big enough difference. So I'm just saying, don't overlook the people that are on these calls and saying, hey, we're humble, but we could use a little help. That, oh, no, uh, we're, we're not at all. And the, the, yeah. the progressive um, uh, alliance that Tatanka and Joel Siegel and those have pulled on is, is directly uh, you know, focused on that. Absolutely. And Ray is a part of it. And so thank you. And Steve, by the way, is one of our great reporters on um, election protection. So thanks for joining us, Steve. Uh, Jeffrey, real quick, please. Jeffrey Barkdo. And then I think we'll wrap this section and go to John and Ray for the report from Arizona. But let's hear it. Jeffrey, please. I want to follow up what you said about young people voting. It, I, that, this kind of reminds me of that group at, of a Facebook page I created called the Burners of America. You saw that. You saw that at the start. Yes, it's, in the, it's in the chat. Thank you for that. Yeah, that, that's what I've created. I think that's a, if it. I think that's a very perfect thing for, you know, that kind of a, that kind of, you know, that's why I created okay. it to find, find people to find burners, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or, you know, to run for office and to try and try and run for office. And then, you, you know, burn, burn, burning like people. Yes. And, and then, at this point, this is January, the election is in November. So although there are primaries in between, but the focus, I think for the next few months, at least should not be on get out the vote. It's get out people to get to the election boards, because that's what we've got to do now. And Ray, Ray, of course, and, and Danny and Tatanka and Lori, these are the masters of getting getting this done. And this is what we have to do now. And what greater education could there be for a millennial or a Zoomer to go in and work in an election board? I mean, that is a life changing experience. And that's what we have to have happen at least in the next six months. So, you know, Danny and Tatanka and um, uh, Lori and Ray. We're going to be joined by Andrea Miller on the, on the 23rd as well, as Steve uh, Rosenfeld pointed out. We did this in, in Georgia, and then they wouldn't, uh, the Democrats wouldn't do it in, in Virginia, and we saw what the, what the results are. We cannot afford another Virginia in the, in the fall. That can't happen. Uh, Paul Newman and then Eric Lazarus. Yeah, I'll make it really, I'll really short and brief. Uh, as you know, California has a supermajority of Democrats. Their governor is saying he supports universal health care and 
you know, we have a bill on universal health, I mean, on, on uh, single payer health care that's well defined. But yet there are a lot of Democrats that are more or less freshwater economists, you know, from the Chicago point of view. And they're destroying us. They're destroying the party out there in California, including the governor. You know, I mean, he wants to put a private insurance company under single pair to run it. And to me, this I don't know what to do about this. What do we do about these Democrats that are sabotaging everything? Right. And we can't even get this governor uh, to acknowledge the petition that you signed, uh, Paul, to inspect the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant. We're not even asking them to shut it down. We're just asking them to expect it. Um, as of February, we've had a petition in his hands with 2,600 signatures for three years, and he hasn't responded. So, you know, uh, Danny and Tatanka and Lori, as Californians, well, we've got those challenges and we've got them all over the country. Uh, Eric Lazarus, you're asking, thank you, Paul. You're asking uh, for more specifics. On, on yeah, what do you mean? You say when you're working in an election uh, jurisdiction, do you mean trying to run to run the place, or do you mean just being a poll worker? I'd be more specific. Yes, Thank all you. of the above. Uh, I, I mean, does it, Danny or, or Eric uh, or Lori, I mean, or, or Ray, uh, what exactly do we want people to do in terms of going into the election boards? Uh, maybe, Ray, that would be a good one for you. When we tell people to go in and work the election boards, what are we telling them to do? Or what do we ask? Well, okay, so so let, let me get granular here for a minute. Yes. Uh, this is why this is so important. You must, a part of relational organizing and uh, these democracy centers and similar entities in these various locations have this, some very specific characteristics. They are, first of all, they are informing and educating local people on why it's important to be involved in the in, in the in civic process. It's educating them on, on their voices matter and how their voices can actually change their lives. So it's not getting involved in a whole lot of big, you know, whether or not you should have higher taxes, lower taxes at the federal level and all these other things. It's, it's garbage pickup, what's gonna make a difference locally, uh, whether whether or not there is sewage in your backyard, it, it's it's the local things. That's what the local connection is. It's done by people that they know and see at the grocery store uh, in their community. These are local people, trusted advisors, trusted legal uh, uh, leaders who they connect with, and these people then turn around and train them on how to go into these um, meetings. Uh, and and take take down chronicle what's going on, take down the notes, um, go and then work with other folks that can come up with a strategy on how to attack um, these um, this misinformation, disinformation campaign that's going on in that particular county. So it has to be local residents being trained by people that they trust informing them on how, uh, on strategically, how to go in and do this uh, in these election boards and how their civic participation will, will translate into a better life for them individually. All of that is what, what has to happen. And so when you get to that granular level, 
you got to have, we, we got to finance that. We got to help them to organize it, uh, have the infrastructure, pay for, pay for the components of that. And, and that's what we need support at. There are people who want to do this, that want to help, but they're woefully underfunded. Somebody talked about a, the, the school board somewhere where you had a Republican organizer that was coming up with a strategy to galvanize that group. We've got to counter that. They have, they have millions of dollars going into Republican organizers like that, and we're sitting around hoping that we can get something done through a party, through a Democratic party at the national level. We must fund our own civic engagement around those specific issues. We've, we've got the democracy centers. We've got some other people that we've worked with here in Georgia, uh, like the Southwest Georgia Project, Democracy Squads, Team Unity. There are, and I'm sure Tatanka's got some others. There are others in Alabama and Texas. Uh, those are the groups that we need to identify. They'll all have those basic characteristics. Was there an Eve, or did we evolve from what we conceived? Either way, we got what we needed when the sun shone down on the Garden of Eden.